0: Amen. Glad you can join us tonight as we're going to start a new study in a new book, the book of Ezekiel. So, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, wherever you're watching from home or uh, in your office or uh, maybe you're on the road traveling, uh, we are so glad that you've joined us on an online service on Wednesday night. Uh, In 2020, we spent uh, the year in the book of Jeremiah and then finished with Lamentations. And so now, 2021, we're going to start the book of Ezekiel. So if you can open up to Ezekiel chapter 1. I do got a couple quick announcements that I'd like to give to you uh, as you are tuned in. And that is to remind you of our e-bulletin that has all the uh, current events and uh, all the news that you need to know what's taking place here at Calvary Chapel. But I do want to remind you that the end-of-the-year given statements have been emailed to you, and, uh, and a physical copy will be coming in uh, in the mail for you by the end of the month. So if you've got any questions, uh, you can call the church office, ask for Eileen, or you can email her and her uh, uh, email address is there in the bulletin. I want to remind the young adults, any young adults that are listening, or if you can pass on this information, that on Friday, young adults meeting on Friday nights, 7 o'clock, uh, 18 to 26 years of age, And I know you'll be tremendously blessed as Pastor Luke is leading that. And then as we head towards the end of January, men's Bible study is starting on Tuesday, the 26th of January at 7 o'clock. Pastor John leads that. So guys, just bring your Bibles. And he's going to be going through the book of Philippians. You don't have to sign up. Uh, Just come to the coffee shop. And the guys will be meeting and uh, spread the chairs out for social distancing. We still need to be careful uh, as we've entered into 2021, and we're trying to do that uh, with the groups that meet and, and uh, all the time, And uh, but we do want to gather together as we uh, just gather assembly together to worship Him, to hear of Him, to fellowship uh, with one another. Ladies, you are going to begin your Bible study on February the 2nd, a week later, Tuesday evening as well. And you'll be able to sign up. You can sign up. There's an in-person option to come. And the ladies will be breaking up into small groups, like three small groups. And then there's also a Zoom option. And some of you really took that option last fall. So sign up online through the website or the e-bulletin. And if you got any questions or need help registering, Call the church and we'll help you with that. And uh, books are in the bookstore for that study. You can pick them up. They're, they're here for us. And uh, we'll continue to pass that information on to you. But ladies, pray about Tuesday evening Lady Bible study. And uh, that's what we got taking place here uh, as we've entered into the new year. And as we travel through this month, uh, look at the e-bulletin for other information that has taken place. But Ezekiel chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 1. If you open up your Bibles, of course you have the book of Isaiah. Uh, We spent 2019, that year, going through the book of Isaiah. Uh, It's 66 chapters. We went through all 66 chapters. And then we went to Jeremiah. Uh, Last year in Jeremiah, 52 chapters. And then the book of Lamentations. And now we're going to start the book of Ezekiel. We're in this section of the Old Testament called... The major prophets and then Daniel is the last of the major prophets that we will study. Actually, what my plan is we're in Matthew's gospel on Sunday mornings. Hey, come join us eight, nine, 30, 11 o'clock for those services. We have children's ministry. Uh, at all three of those services and nursery and toddlers. Uh, But we'd love for you to join us for our Matthew in person and also online services on Sunday morning. But after we get done with Matthew, we're going to enter into uh, after this week in the chapter 15. So we're about halfway through Matthew. Then we're going to do a study on Sunday morning in the book of Daniel. So that's where we're going for the year in our Bible studies And Daniel's an incredible study is the last of the major prophets. And then you have that last section of the Old Testament called the minor prophets. But the book of Ezekiel, I know that we're going to be tremendously blessed as we go through it. And there's 48 chapters, and we'll look at all 48 chapters, but uh, quite an interesting prophetic book that is going to edify us, encourage us, and bless us in every way. Father, I do pray that as we now enter into this study of the book of Ezekiel, that, Lord, this was a prophet on the scene 2,600 years ago. And the prophecies given to us are absolutely amazing. They speak to us today. They speak even the day in which we're living in. But, Lord, I pray that we would understand this, that you have inspired these words to be kept through the millennium, uh, through the centuries for us today, and will be established forever. And, Lord, may you just help us to... not only look at uh, the book of ezekiel as a book that's prophetic but also to give us instructions and understanding and comfort and hope the world needs hope and people need hope right now and we know that our hope is in you and our salvation is in christ jesus that you have a wonderful wonderful plan for us and uh, even as Ezekiel is going to give um, the uh, nation of Judah that's off in the captivity uh, your promises and your plan for them. And, uh, Lord, uh, we're excited that we can be established in truth, and, Lord, that we can be established in your word. So bless this study as we go through the book of Ezekiel and tonight's study in Jesus' name. Amen. So to give you a little bit of background about about Ezekiel, and we've talked about it as we've been going through the books of the prophets, Uh, Isaiah, of course, would be on the scene, uh, and he would speak to the house of Israel, the ten northern tribes, and then also to the house of Judah. And we know that Isaiah, that as he was speaking, he would begin his ministry in about 740 B.C. His ministry lasted for 40 to 50 years it ended with manasseh the king of judah that would saw him in half is what historians tell us we know there's a mention of that in the book of hebrews but not his name specifically but isaiah was on the scene he would speak to the house of israel they would be taken off into captivity by the assyrians in 722 BC, and then he began to focus on the house of Judah, and he warned them about their idol worship. And after the death of Isaiah, there's about 60 years that would uh, pass, and and then it was Jeremiah that came on the scene. Uh, 50, 60 years after the death of Isaiah, he comes on the scene during the reign of Josiah. Now, Josiah Keep in mind, the ten northern tribes uh, of the house of Israel had been taken off into captivity. The house of Judah was spared uh, during the days of Hezekiah. It was the Assyrians who were the powerhouse of the day. They surrounded Jerusalem. You read about that in those chapters of 36, 37, 38 of the book of Isaiah. And you see how they threatened Jerusalem, and then an angel came and destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. That was the beginning of the decline of the Assyrian Empire. And then we know that the Babylonians would eventually rise to power. Well, Josiah, he was the last of the godly kings in Judah, and he would reign in about uh, uh, 640 BC, and he would reign till about uh, 609 BC, where we read in those historical books of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. He was killed up in the Valley of Megiddo by the uh, king of Egypt, uh, and the king of Egypt kills him. And then the last four kings of Judah were ungodly kings. His son came to reign, uh, and and it was Josiah killed in about 609 BC. His son came to reign, Joahaz. He only reigned for about three months. And then the king of Egypt came and took him away off to Egypt. And then his other son would come to reign, Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years, and he was a terrible king. We read about him in the book of Jeremiah quite extensively, how Jeremiah came to him. You see, Jeremiah's ministry started during the reign of Josiah. He would come and he would uh, give warning to Jehoiakim, listen, don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, uh, because it was during the reign of Jehoiakim that Nebuchadnezzar, that he comes to Jerusalem in the first deportation of Jews, the captivity beginning that would last for 70 years, right? Jeremiah prophesied that the Babylonian captivity is going to be 70 years, and then God's going to visit you and bring you back into the land. And uh, in 536 B.C., after the fall of Babylon, by the Medo-Persian Empire, of course, they would begin to come back into the land. But Jeremiah, he's warning Judah about destruction, devastation that was going to come. If they did not turn away from their idol worship. And Jehoiakim was one that he was just a very ungodly king. Jeremiah presented him with a scroll, and he took the scroll and chopped it up, and they persecuted Jeremiah. Jeremiah's ministry lasted for about 40 to 50 years as well. But in the second deportation, what happened, at the end of Jehoiakim's reign, he was a terrible king. He only cared about himself. And we know that uh, there's references given to us in history that uh, it was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as he would come to Jerusalem. Uh, it was perhaps his desire that he was going to destroy Jerusalem at that time. And the people knowing that, they took Jehoiakim and they killed him. And so Nebuchadnezzar spared him. He, he, he spared Jerusalem. He, he spared Judah at that time. But he took more off into captivity in the second deportation. And in that second deportation, Ezekiel, this Ezekiel, was taken off into captivity. And then, of course, if you follow with this in our study of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is there in Jerusalem. He's ministering. Daniel is taken off in the first wave of captivity in 605 BC, uh, the choice man of Judah. Uh, he's in Babylon. He is serving Nebuchadnezzar. And then Ezekiel's taken off in 597 BC in the second deportation. And then the third and final assault on Jerusalem in 586 BC was the destruction of the city and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And then we read all about that in the book of Jeremiah. So Ezekiel's off in the captivity And he is ministering uh, during a very, very difficult time uh, in the nation. And he's going to be uh, ministering uh, and giving a word that is going to be a little bit different than Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, as he's prophesying, uh, he is directly giving that message to the leaders, Jehoiakim. And then Jehoiakim comes on the scene only for a few months. He's taken off by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off to Babylon. And then the last king of Judah, Zedekiah, who reigned for the last 11 years, Before Jerusalem was destroyed. And then he would be captured by the Babylonians. And he would have his eyes plucked out. Uh, His sons killed right before him. And uh, he was taken off into Babylon. Uh, He was, um, you know, uh, just a terrible king who refused to listen to Jeremiah. But Ezekiel, he is going to have a different message. Because he's going to be talking about the heart of the leaders. Uh, He is a priest. Uh, he is a prophet. Uh, he is uh, mentioning um, those things, the the condition of the leaders. Um, just a little bit different take on his uh, part as he is warning the people of things that are going to come and rebuking the people for their uh, disobedience. Uh, Ezekiel, his name means God strengthened, and he would need to be strengthened by God in this very difficult ministry, prophetic ministry. And so as we begin the book of Ezekiel, we read, now it came to pass in the 13th year, the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was uh, among the captives by the river and that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. And on the fifth day of the month, which is in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's Captivity. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chapar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So he's taken off uh, Ezekiel in a second deportation, and on the fifth day of the month, which is in the fifth year, King Jehoiakim's captivity. Jehoiakim would be taken off into captivity in 597 B.C. with Ezekiel. He's taken off. And in that fifth year after they are off in the captivity, here is Ezekiel, that he's among the captors, captives. He's by the river Chapar, which flowed southeast from the city of Babylon. Uh, it was also a, a royal canal for Nebuchadnezzar. It's a very dry area, so water was very precious and very valuable, and it 's interesting that Ezekiel, as we go through this book, he does not mention Jeremiah by name, but he does mention Daniel three times. we will see, and he mentions his ministry of prophecy, and we also know that Ezekiel, his prophecy, would last for about twenty years. Um, and as i 've already mentioned, not only is he a prophet, but he 's a priest. So one of the things that we're going to see that's a little bit different than Jeremiah is that he's going to really show us an interest in priestly matters. Uh, He probably lived among the other captives that were there at Shabar, Uh, and we know that he was married, uh, Ezekiel. He had his own home. We get that from Ezekiel chapter 8, but we continue reading In verse 4 of the chapter, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire. Uh, North, a great cloud uh, engulfing itself. Brightness was engulfing itself. Brightness was all around, and it was radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. So as we read this, Ezekiel is going to see this heavenly vision. Now, when we go through this book, Ezekiel is going to explain to the people already in captivity, he's in the second deportation, what God's judgment entailed and why it's coming. But then we're going to see that Ezekiel is going to give them God's promise of his restoration. And I think the book of Ezekiel has some of the most amazing prophecies that you have in all of the Bible. Matter of fact, when we get to chapters 36 and 37 and 38 and 39, we see some incredible prophecy that really uh, applies to us today, that really speaks to the day in which we're living in. And I love going over those chapters. But Ezekiel's ministry here, he's receiving visions from God. Uh, And as we see here, he looks to the north in verse 4. He sees what appears to be an approaching thunderstorm with a great cloud and flashing lightnings. Now, we're in the middle of winter right now here in Colorado. But in the summertime, we can relate to that, the thunderstorms that build up over the mountains and come over the plains and come over Weld County. And you know, many of us, we love to, to watch those thunderstorms, the lightning storms. Uh, we love to you know, see those things. One of the things last year in 2020, it was such a dry year And I don't remember hardly any thunderstorms coming. We hardly got any rain. Uh, The only thing that really rained on us was ash from the fires. But uh, this summer, hopefully we'll see that again, the moisture come back in. But the thunderstorms are something that uh, we just uh, can relate to. We understand what that looks like in this part of the country. And this thunderstorm that Ezekiel is describing, this cloud is different. Because he's receiving a heavenly vision, this cloud has fire, the color of amber. I'm sure that it is very, very impressive, and and any of the surrounding, you know, um, uh, sounds that he hears, I'm sure is very divine. You hear of around the th- throne of God, thunders and lightnings. Uh, I'm sure it's not like the thunder we hear here uh, in the storms, but it's just very divine. It's very incredible. And from it, verse 5, it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Verse 6, each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of uh, burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings, on their four sides, and each of the four had four, Faces and wings. Verse 9 Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man, each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Very interesting. Now, the focus of this vision right now is the four living creatures in the midst of the fire and they're going to be identified when we get to chapter 10 as cherubim now cherubim we read that term in the scriptures in the old testament uh, a special order of angelic beings we will also read in chapter 28 of ezekiel that they have special access to god remember that in the book of exodus when the lord told moses moses Uh, I want you to build a tabernacle so I can meet with my people. And it was the Lord that gave Moses the instruction of the tabernacle. It wasn't that Moses said, okay, I think I better come up with a drawing. I think it'd be a good idea to have two rooms and an outer court. No, the Lord gave him the instructions of the tabernacle, how to build it. And it was a copy of the heavenly tabernacle. And in the tabernacle itself, was the holy place and then uh, the uh, Holy of Holies or the inner sanctuary. And the only piece of furnishing that was in the Holy of Holies was called the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most precious uh, furnishing in the tabernacle, in the temple, and and in the Ark of the Covenant, which was just a box about three feet long by two feet. uh, In it was the Ten Commandments, uh, a jar of manna, and also Aaron's rod. And on top of that box was a lid called the mercy seat. It was made of all gold, and it also entailed on the mercy seat two cherubim, their wings outstretched. And in between the cherubim, the Lord said, I'll meet with my people. That was called the mercy seat. And that's where the high priest would go in once a year. He will sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat to make atonement for the nation. He did that on the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. So that was the Ark of the Covenant, and those angelic beings were cherubim, and they were guarding the mercy seat where the glory of God dealt. So according to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 18, the place where God was enthroned was called the chariot. And according to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, the earthly tabernacle was a copy, again, of the heavenly reality. So Ezekiel's vision here is actually the throne chariot of God with these cherubim. And these four living creatures each had four wings, we were told. Their legs were straight up, and they had cloven feet, not like the feet of a man. Under their wings, they had hands that were similar to the hands of a man. And when they moved, they didn't turn uh, uh, around. Uh, They didn't do this like what I do if I want to look to... Uh, my right or to my left, because they had, uh, each one had four faces, and one of the faces was pointed in the direction they wanted to go. Now, the four faces of these four living creatures, these angelic beings, each of them had the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and then fourthly, the face of an eagle. Now, When we were in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah had a vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it, Isaiah writes, was seraphim. Each had six wings. Uh, Two, they covered their face with the two wings, with two wings, uh, they covered their feet, and with two he flew, and they cried out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So that's another group of angelic creatures, um, and they were around the throne of God as well. So you have the cherubim, uh, you have the seraphim, Remember in our study of the book of Revelation that we went through, that in that heavenly vision, John saw around the throne of God four living creatures. They were full of uh, eyes on the front and the back, and they had six wings, we were told. And he describes the first living creature like a lion, the second one like a calf, the third one like a man, and the fourth one like an eagle. So a little bit different than what Ezekiel is telling us. Ezekiel is saying each one of the cherubim, that they had the four faces. John's writing, well, you know, the one had the face of a lion, the other one uh, of a calf, a man, an eagle. Maybe he's giving us a little different view of that. But it seems like they are cherubim as well. Maybe a little different class. Don't know for sure. But it's interesting as you read the Bible and you read about angelic creatures, the seraphim, the cherubim, the four living creatures, Uh, You read about angels that are in the scripture. Uh, Michael, the archangel. Uh, You read about Gabriel. I think when we get to heaven, that we are going to be surprised at the different angelic beings that God has created. We're, We're going to see the four living creatures. We're going to see the cherubim. In that vision of the book of Revelation, that John, that he sees Those four living creatures around the throne of God, they rest not day and night, crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's going to be an incredible scene to see. But I also want to give us something else to think about as we read about these four living creatures with these four different faces. Remember in the book of Psalms, in Psalms chapter 40, verse 7, referring to Jesus, that we read, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. In other words, from Genesis to Revelation, it speaks about Jesus. And one of the reasons why we want to you know, be students of the Old Testament as well is because you know, the psalmist writes that, that it speaks of me. In the scroll of the book, it's written of me. When you read about the tabernacle in the book of Exodus... It speaks of Jesus. It points to Jesus. When you read about the sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, it's all fulfilled by Jesus. So it speaks of Jesus all throughout the scriptures, from all of it, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21 And the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the angelic beings... We can see that it does point to Jesus. Here, are these angelic beings, these four living creatures, these cherubim, have the face of a lion, of an ox, of a man, and an eagle. Now, when you read the book of Numbers, remember, Numbers is a book that shows us that, that God has order, and there was order in the children of Israel in the tribes. Uh, they they are numbered. And, of course, Paul writes in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we're to do all things decently and in order. So the book of Numbers tells us that God is a God of order. And in chapter 2 of Numbers, God tells the children of Israel how they were to travel and camp in their wilderness wanderings. Uh, When they would leave um, Egypt, they left. Exodus chapter 13 verse 18 tells us in orderly ranks. Uh, They left by tribe. It wasn't like the Ten Commandments, the old Ten Commandments movie, uh, Charlton Heston. You see them leaving Egypt, and it's just this mass of people out there. It wasn't that way. They left in orderly ranks. According to tribes, they would leave. And then when they stopped and they set up camp, they were to set up camp in an orderly fashion. And they would have three tribes that would camp on the east side, the Tabernacle, Uh, would be in the middle of the camp. And that's where the Levites, Moses and Aaron were. But on the east side was Judah, Issachar and Zebulun. And Judah in the wilderness, they would carry this banner. It's like a flag. It's kind of like VBS. When we've done VBS before, the kids are broken off into groups and they have a little, you know, flag. So that you know child that's in that age group or in that particular group that he's assigned to, he would know when they needed to move and, and go to the next uh, activity or whatever gets in line where that that flag was and and perhaps you've seen that or summer camp or something like that. Well, the children of Israel would do the same thing that they would have the standard tribe, which was Judah on the east side, and they would put up that standard. And everybody of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun knew they needed to be in that group. And they knew that they were to to camp on the east side, east of the tabernacle. Now, on the south side was Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, those three uh, tribes. And Reuben was the standard tribe. This is all according to the book of Numbers. And then on the west side was Ephraim. They were the standard tribe, and Manasseh and Benjamin Then on the north side was Dan. They were the standard tribe. And then Asher and Nephtali. Now stay with me because you might be thinking, so what? I I think you'll find this to be very interesting. Rabbinical historians and teachers and scholars for centuries have taught that the standard that Judah had on their standard was that of a lion. Judah of the tribe, you know, uh, that that Jesus came from. Uh, Judah is a lion's whelp. So they believe that it was a lion on the standard. They have taught that Reuben had a standard and it had an image of an ox. And then Ephraim, there on the west side, the standard tribe, they had a standard that had an image of a man. And then on the north side, Dan they were the standard tribe that had an image as they were walking through the wilderness, as they set up camp north of the tabernacle, that their standard was one of an eagle. The same four symbols as the four faces that are here in Ezekiel's vision of heaven and also John's vision in the book of Revelation. Now, the Gospels. We are in Matthew's Gospel on Sunday morning. And Matthew was written to primarily the Jewish audience. I mean, everyone can read it. It's God's word. But his focus was the Jewish audience to show us that Jesus is the king of kings. Uh, So he quotes more than any of the gospel writers by far Old Testament uh, scripture. Jesus came fulfilled what the prophet said over and over again. To show them that that Jesus is the Messiah. He came to fulfill these prophecies. So Matthew to show us that Jesus is the king of kings. Uh, Mark was written to show us that Jesus is the servant of all. Luke who was a Gentile. See some people they think that Luke was one of the disciples. He was not one of the disciples. He was not even Jewish. He's a Gentile. Dr. Luke who traveled with Paul on a missionary journey. He writes his gospel to show us that Jesus was the perfect man. And, and then John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, shows us in his gospel that Jesus is deity. So Matthew's showing us that Jesus is the king of the kings. The lion is the king of the beasts. You know, Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mark showing us that Jesus is the servant of all. He would write uh, to show us that the ox is the servant animal. Luke shows us that Jesus is the perfect man. He was writing to the Gentile audience, and so the face of a man. And then John the gospel, of course, is for all of us that shows that Jesus is deity. And the eagle's always been a symbol of power and majesty and authority and deity. And as you consider that, it's so incredible, isn't it? I mean, think about it. All throughout the scriptures, there's one harmonious picture pointing to speaking of jesus in the wilderness wondering as they carried those standards in the gospel messages in the angelic beings in heaven it all points to jesus he's the king of kings he's the perfect servant he is the perfect man he is divine and those pictures of you know what we see here that is given to us, the picture of a lion, the picture of an ox, the picture of a man, a picture of the eagle. I find that to be so incredible, which shows me that there's one author for this book, and that is God. That as the Spirit of God would inspire man to put these words down, it's incredible as you take the time to really look at it. So we see this vision here, the four living creatures. And in verse 11, "...thus were their faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their body. So two of their wings extended upward, symbolizing exaltation towards God, and two of their wings covered their body, which speaks of humility. Verse 12, "...and each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went." So speaking of complete surrender and and obedience to God, wherever the Spirit wanted them to go, that's where they went. And that's my prayer for us, that we would be Spirit-led in all of our lives. You know, in that wilderness wandering, there was the pillar of cloud that was above the tabernacle in the middle of the camp, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And whenever that pillar of cloud and fire would move, then the people would pack up And they would, again, leave in orderly fashion. And wherever that pillar took them, that's where they stopped. They were led by the Lord in that way. The glory of God, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. And the Lord desires for us to be led by him, wherever he wants to take us, uh, to to just allow him to, to guide us in our lives because he does want to do so much in our lives, just letting him, wherever you want to take me, Lord, Whatever you want to do in my life, that, Lord, because we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts to guide us and to lead us, to say this is the way, walk in it. And then as we read in verse 13, "...for as the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among living creatures." The, f- uh, the fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightnings. And the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. The creatures moved very quickly, flashes of lightning. Again, I think this is divine lightning. Uh, remember in in the wilderness wandering when they came to the mountain of God and there was lightnings and thunders, and it overwhelmed the people. That's why I said, you know, it was very divine, different than... And then what we hear when a thunderstorm comes over, which can be very loud, but the the people just were amazed. They trembled at it. It it must have been an incredible sight. In verse 15, now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color burl and all four had the same likeness the appearance of their working was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel and when they moved they went toward any one of the four directions they did not turn aside when they went in verse 18 as for their rims they were so high they were awesome and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them Uh, The vision continues to to be interesting, isn't it? Uh, Somehow the cherubim were connected to a wheel within a wheel. And at the rims of the wheels had eyes all around them. And I believe that the eyes represent the all-seeing nature of God who rides the throne, throne chariot. God saw the sin of Judah in his people. He saw everything that they were going through. And you see, that's very sobering because he sees us. Listen, that can be very comforting or it can be very troubling because we can think that I'm doing this in secret. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to see me. But God sees. He sees everything that we do. And he sees it when we are in rebellion. He sees it when we are sinning. We cannot ever think that we are getting away with it because we're not getting away with it. God sees everything. And sometimes we think, Lord, don't you see what that person is doing or that situation or what's going on over there? He sees it. There's nothing that is hidden from him. But it can be comforting to know that he sees everything, and it can be comforting to know that, Lord, because sometimes we think, uh, I'm trying to walk in obedience To please you. I'm serving you. Do you see it? Do you see how I desire to, to live for you? To serve you. Do you see my service for you? And sometimes we think that the Lord doesn't care. Or the enemy comes and whispers in our ears. You know, nobody sees it. God doesn't see it. He does see. He sees everything that you're doing. And he is pleased with your obedience. We're going to talk a little bit about that on Sunday with the disciples in that boat as they find themselves in the Sea of Galilee and they're in a storm and they're roaring, rowing and rowing and rowing in the storm. And the wind is contrary. They're not getting anywhere. And sometimes we can think that. And it says that Jesus saw them and he sees you. He sees you in your toil and you're trying to be obedient, even in the, the, the winds of adversity that are blowing against you. He sees you and he is pleased with your obedience. Be steadfast and movable, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 as he finished that chapter, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work is not in vain. He sees you. And, as we read in verse nineteen, when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up, and wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, because where the spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels, and wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went because where the spirit went, the wheels were lifted together. And then verse 21, when those went, these went. And when those stood, those stood. And when those lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Um, It may uh, mean the wheels were an extension of the cherubim on God's uh, throne chariot. Verse 22, "...the likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under their firmament, their wings spread out straight one towards another. Each one had two which covered one side. Each one had two which covered the other side of the body." And when they went, they heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, the tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. So a firmament, or the sky with the shining brilliance of the cherubim, like crystal that is sparkling. And when they moved their wings, it was like the, the sound of mighty water. Any of us that have gone to a waterfall, uh, one of the places that we have been me and my family oftentimes is the yellowstone waterfall in in wyoming up in yellowstone national park a huge waterfall and just the sound of that waterfall the noise of it Uh, any of us that you love to go to the ocean and when the waves are big and crashing the noise of that and hear the sound of almighty uh, or an army it's an awesome noise when the cherubim stopped they lowered their wings And then in verse 28, or excuse me, verse 25, a voice came from the firmament that was over the heads. Wherever they stood, they let down their wings and above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was the likeness of appearance of a man high above it, and also from the appearance of his waist and upward. I saw, as it were, the number of am- the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it, and from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. And now verse 28, as we finish the chapter, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So we get specific details on the cherubim. But in these verses here, the description of God on the throne, the likeness, the appearance. John does the same thing, the appearance of this. Because if he had seen or John had seen the Lord directly, It would have consumed them. Moses wanted to see God. He says, I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm going to hide you in the cliff here in the rock, and I'm going to pass by you, and you can see my afterglow. That's where we get the term afterglow. You can see my afterglow because if you see my glory directly, it will consume you. So the description here is much like what we see in John in chapter 4 of Revelation. The rainbow speaks of God's grace, the fire speaks of God's judgment, and we see that Ezekiel's response was to fall down in humble submission. He's overwhelmed. John, when he saw the, the resurrected Jesus, he fell down as though he was dead, and and he was overwhelmed. Even when he saw an angel in the book of Revelation, he fell down to worship. An angel said, Stand up. You know, I'm just a fellow servant as you are. But it, you see that Ezekiel, as he sees this, he's just humbled. He's in submission. I mention that because sometimes I'll see these faith teachers on TV and they'll go, oh, I've had a vision of heaven. And I remember one guy in particular, you know, he has a huge church he's going i was there and and there was abraham with the big chain and there was animals there and i was swimming in the river of life with jesus and just kind of flippantly uh that would speak of heaven and the vision that he had and everybody's going ooh and ah and i'm thinking you're making this stuff up because it does not match the description of what is here in the bible plus remember that paul he talked about when he was taken in second corinthians up into the third heaven that he saw things that it was unlawful for him to utter, that I dare not speak. He, he said words can't express it. So whenever you have somebody that, that just kind of, you know, has, you know, like these faith teachers, that I saw Jesus and all the animals and, you know, and uh, Jesus and I were splashing each other in the river of life, there's no reverence that's there, and I really question that. Here is Ezekiel, John. You know, they're overwhelmed with with the vision in heaven that they saw, the glory of heaven. And the good news for you and for me is we're going to be there. And then in Revelation chapter 5, after John's vision of uh, the throne and around the throne and the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and here we don't see a mention of the 24 elders. And in John's vision, when the 24 elders are spoken of, I think that perhaps it represents the church. Um, that is just uh, something that commentators and teachers suggest. We don't know for sure. But Ezekiel doesn't speak of the 24 elders. But all that is real, and we're going to see it someday. And then that new song in Revelation chapter 5, as we're going to s- say that the one, the lamb that was slain, um, that he has redeemed us by his blood out of every tribe, tongues, people, and nation. That's the song of the church, isn't it? And we're going to be together and we're going to sing that song when he takes us home. And we're all going to be before this throne of God in his glory and splendor and these, these cherubim and the four living creatures and, and all of this and the brilliance of the colors and the sounds. It's going to be incredible. That's our future. And I want you to hang on to that. Because we belong to a kingdom that will last forever. And we have a glorious future when we see all the things around us that takes us away from from just really the blessed hope that we have, the the glory that awaits us because of all the uncertainty and ugliness that we see. And I understand it's easy because we care about, you know, our nation we live in. We care about what our children are going to go through, but I want us to always remember there's a glorious, glorious future and a place that someday we are going to see the throne of God, stand before the throne of God, and we're going to sing that new song, and we're going to be together. And so this encourages me. And as we go through Ezekiel, he's going to give prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled that I believe that we could see very easily in our generation and in our lifetime that's really going to prepare us, as Jesus said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice, for your redemption draws near. Listen, keep studying with us on Wednesday night through the book of Ezekiel. I know that you'll be blessed. It's an incredible book. But, Father, we do come right now, and we ask that you would just, Lord, thank you for this study, this vision of heaven, because it is real. Heaven is real. You sit on the throne, you're still there in all the glory and splendor. And you have a plan. And just as Ezekiel saw that and was humbled and, and Lord, amazed, so are we someday, even as John was in Revelation chapter 4. And Father, I pray that we would keep our eyes on the things above, not on the things of this world. And, Lord, that we would have a desire to tell people that heaven is real And Jesus has provided a way for us to go to heaven, to be forgiven, uh, to have right relationship with the Father, to have the hope of eternal life. It comes through the finished work of the cross and his resurrection, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again, that we would give the good news to others, that Jesus is your salvation. There is none other. And Lord, that you have a wonderful future and plan that's going to unfold. And we are living in very unique and special days. Even though they're difficult and perilous days, that Lord we see, just as He saw that that storm coming, it looked like a thunderstorm. We see the storm clouds uh, that are gathering that speak of Your soon return, and for us that someday, very soon, I believe that we could be right before Your throne, and and seeing all this glory. So Lord, help us keep our eyes on You, have joy in our hearts. Bless everyone here the rest of our week. Looking forward to Sunday when we come together to study Matthew's gospel once again. And it's in Jesus' name name that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.